What up, Disaster Divas? It is your friendly neighborhood producer, Jason, here. Uh, Amanda and Jordan wanted me to throw a little spoiler warning here on the beginning, basically to say that uh, if you haven't watched Earth Catastrophe yet, you should do yourself a favor and uh, go and watch it before you listen to this episode. Uh, it's it's one that they think you'll really enjoy and get a lot out of, and it is streaming for free on Tubi. Uh, if you fully just want to ignore this warning and listen to the episode, we can't stop you. Uh, we just don't think it would be the wisest decision of you to continue listening without having seen Earth Tastrophe. But without further ado, here's the show. This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Repeat, this is a test of the emergency podcast system. Disaster Girls is an unironic excavation of disaster movies with profiles as high as the tallest volcano and as low as the Marianas Trench. In order to ensure your safety and enjoyment, please remain calm and keep your ears locked on your hosts, myself, Jordan Gruciola, and me, Amanda Smith. Hello from the void, disaster divas. Welcome back to another episode of your catastrophe chronicling podcast. Um, we've got, I love the, the, my favorite thing about the movie that we're going to talk about today, which I did generally very Jordan, much enjoy. Oh, by the do way, you say your name? I'm Jordan Cruciola. <laughs> I'm Jordan Cruciola, and I'm here with Amanda Smith, and Jordan's yes. excited. And I'm just, I'm a bit out of space and time because I've made the long journey back up home in Oregon. So it, as much as time was moving in, in an insane, bizarre, quickly, yet not quickly space speed when I was back in LA, uh, being in the like relatively, being in the like kind of cut off sphere of suburban Oregon has made everything feel even more wormhole weird. So all sense of normalcy has gone out the window. Um, yeah, it really looks, it, it looks like you've moved into like Instagram ads, honestly, is, is the world that you've gone into. It's like, you've gone through a, like a little wormhole and suddenly you're in Instagram ads, judging by all the, all the hiking and pictures that you've posted. I mean, yeah, Oregon, Oregon is, is, uh, is it's natural wonders. It is a, a living aspirational natural wonders catalog. Um, and it, I will say apropos of nothing I have found uh, it is so easy to detach. Like my my sister and her husband, they don't even have a computer in their home. They just Wait, what? They don't have a computer. They have their they have their phones, which they're not really on that much. And their uh, TV is Netflix. That's all they have. So these are, and that's pretty. Like I would imagine their friends have computers in their home. But as far as like their level of involvement with the internet, I would imagine that's indicative of sort of like the 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 community that they're within so it's extremely easy to not be abreast of what's going on which is further again made the increase the wormhole effect of the passage of time since i've been here and i i i you know there's there's certainly merit to detaching and people should people should give themselves breaks but i also find that like i feel like i don't love the full detachment like i i like keeping up with what's going on i like knowing what's going on i feel a bit like in dereliction of my duties to not well, be keeping it on our constantly unfolding apocalypse our constantly unfolding natural and unnatural disaster uh as i'm here in oregon it's very odd i will say as someone who's on the opposite end of the spectrum and all i have is to lie on my sofa clutching <laughs> my phone 6 inches from my face <laughs> Tradesies, like, <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I totally get it, and like I, I'm not, I'm not displeased. 
I don't think it's like a, I don't think it's like an objectively bad thing. I'm just like, huh, this is very odd. How obviously how how plain it is to see why my how easily my sister and her husband and I would imagine their surrounding folks are um, disconnecting sort of from everything that's going on. Like they they know the broad strokes. I definitely like. De- I definitely like, got into a conversation about defund the police this last week from a very much like, so what's that about? You know? Okay. Yeah. And like, which is great. Questions are great. But like, it, it's, it's interesting how the conversations that I'm having literally all of the time in my daily life down in LA are ones where yeah. when I enter them here, they're like, all right, let's cover some baseline concepts before we even start talking about this at all. Before That's, we get yeah. into the earth catastrophe at, at hand. <laughs> Which truly, Earth ta- like you and I were talking about it, Earth Catastrophe could have also been the name of our podcast. Like <laughs> Jason is giving a silent applause right now. I just want you all to know. <laughs> I, I assume whenever we can't see Jason, he's giving a silent applause. Like, <laughs> that's just him constantly just quietly golf clapping in, in yeah. his white void. Yeah. Um, Which is, yes, all along we did say, Amanda. We, we should probably back this up and explain that uh, what we talked about doing last week, Arctic Blast, Jordan and I both decided to do our homework late. And uh, last night at about 9.30 p.m., I texted Jordan in a panic saying, I can't find Arctic Blast. Can you? <laughs> could not. I could find a couple uh, dubbed Hindi versions on YouTube, oh. but that was the extent of it. That's, Even if it, had been in, if it had been in Hindi with English subtitles, I would have totally watched it. But they, <laughs> there wasn't an option. Yeah, no, that's that's maybe we could have done it like a silent movie where we watched it without dialogue. I didn't even think to look on YouTube. Um, but instead, we so we decided to switch course and we went with uh, Earth Catastrophe, another which Tubi, is not just a joking name for all of the movies that we could be watching on this podcast for any given <laughs> week. It is an actual specific name of a movie. Yes, they 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 went bold with their. They're like, "What is this movie going to be about?" And they decided to go bold and went with Earth Catastrophe as a full, <laughs> all encompassing kind of title, catch all title. Um, and I'm honestly surprised that that hadn't already been taken until 2016. Yeah, that is actually maybe maybe it had been batted around a few times, and people were like, "I don't know, it's a little too broad." What is it actually saying? Uh, well, what it's saying is that we were in an earth catastrophe. The title says itself. Yeah, and they weren't wrong. They were not wrong. So we went with earth catastrophe on Tubi, um, which is was available for free streaming there. And Jordan, do you want to do a, a summary on this one? Yeah. Um, we open on a party, New Year's Eve. Uh, this movie was made in 2016, which to me was one of the most surprising things about it. Um, kind of seemed a bit older, but not in a bad way. Um, but but I guess kind of all of the sort of made-for-TV joint catastrophe movies feel like between 1997 and 2002. Like, that's kind of just their energy. Um, but this, we open on a New Year's Eve party with a man who is not Aaron Taylor Johnson, but very much looks like him. His name is Andrew W. Andrew J. Caters. Um, and... It's the countdown. It's the three, the two, the one. We're going to get excited about New Year's. Well, suddenly everybody looks up from the patio of this fancy party that they're at and a black hole has opened up in the sky where the moon is supposed to be. And we just see uh, this guy played the, the not Aaron Taylor Johnson actor go, oh, God. And then everything whites out. And then we cut to a year later where he wakes up looking very much like the Unabomber 
in a triage tent and the world has been totally laid to waste. The world is obliterated. It is an earth catastrophe. And, you know, the gang of heroes as they assemble and fight the villains that come along the way, I was wondering at a certain point, I was like, okay, so is this going to be about surviving the earth catastrophe or is this going to be about reversing the earth catastrophe? And that's what it was about. The The yeah. end game was reverse the earth catastrophe. And they really, th- there were a lot of questions about what that would be going well into the movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. So uh, let's like, you know, in terms of the reality index, let's just roll right in, Jordan. I mean, I, I think first and foremost, one of the things that I had the hardest time getting past reality wise was uh, that no one would trim his Unabomber beard. <laughs> Yeah, he so they just let this comatose man grow this this really horrifying beard. Well, and presumably, because when he wakes up and he's in the triage tent, I actually was quite like for considering the movie. I was quite uh, pleased by the performances by most of the yeah. support actors in this cast, particularly the triage nurse. I, I thought was, Sarah. I want a home movie about great. Sarah. Yeah, I, I was like, actually, where is this actress? I would like to yeah. see more of her. Um, but he comes to, and it's a very memento situation. Like he has, he, he re- only remembers fragments of things. And he has this little notebook that reminds him of like key things that he has to like have in his, have embed in his memory. And he wakes up and you know, covered long hair, dirty looking. But when he's coming to, and he's remembering stuff and they're explaining, this isn't like the first time we've been through this with you. Like you have your little notebook, you freak out every time your memory's coming back. Like They've made it clear that they've been taking care of him. So it's like, so he's done this before and he's woken up. And at no point did you trim his beard. At no point did you cut his hair. You've just let him slip back into his comatose state, looking bedraggled and tangled and messy every single time for a year. Yeah, no one and no one else. It's not as if they don't have access to razors and scissors because no one else has these insane beards, which is like also my favorite thing about it was that it was very clearly like one of those glued on with rubber glue sort of beards because the hair was perfectly straight. Yes, it was like a billy goat straightness. So in my head, someone was lovingly combing it every night to make sure it stayed (laughs) Straight, but no one, it was like an aesthetic choice that Sarah had made for her own amusements is my, my internal monologue, I guess, on it. Well, when he ran out of, if, and for someone who seemed to have been taking such good care, that seemed like it, it, a deliberate choice would make more sense than dereliction of duty. Yeah. Um, when he gets, when he wakes up, comes to, goes crazy, runs out of the like underground bunker that they're in and enters like the wasted land that is Los Angeles. The, you know, the sun is burning bright. There are these meteorites we learn of frozen methane that have come from the upper atmosphere and are jettisoning down toward the surface of the earth and exploding. And he, they're like, it's dangerous. you got to come back inside. When he runs out and the light hits him and he's overwhelmed and he looks all grimy and dirty and he's like shielding his eyes from the sun. He looks so, it is so much like the moment from the, um, what is that? It was from Idiocracy. It's the drink in Idiocracy. Um, oh god power yeah, thirst. The- it looks so much like the power thirst commercial that funny or die did when he looks up and goes god why have you forsaken me <laughs> and then of course the voiceover comes in and says can it find a new god it was that it was that quality of image which as somebody who spent so many minutes laughing at the power thirst one and two commercials 
I was very happy to have that illusion personally just for me. But yeah, yeah no. That, just, that just brought you back. Yeah, reality-wise, it was like, mm, everybody else has a certain level of grooming here. I feel like they would have allowed their patient to also yeah. be kept in such shape. Yeah, it was just, it was, it was an odd turn of events, given that we can tell that Sarah is possibly the most competent person among them. Yeah. Um, as the, as the only woman <clears throat> survivor in that little, like, so they're in a sort of like a, a refuge sort of area of, it of looks tents. like they're in a parking garage yeah. in a building in downtown LA. Yeah. And they all are in tents and, and they, they have to go journey out into the world to go find food and gasoline. Um, so they have to walk like to the nearest rundown gymnasium as far as I can tell. <laughs> Um, which where they risk, uh, they risk encounters with, it seems like the biggest menace of the, the scorched natural world, which are the E clouds, which are essentially hurricanes that are charged internally with, as for some reason, somehow they've calculated specifically 2 million volts of electricity that much like the fire fingers, I was going to say, they were very fire fingersy. Yeah, they were very much like the fire fingers of that Kevin Sorbo movie. Fire fire from below. Fire from below. Fire from below. They were very much like the sentient fire fingers from fire from below, where they like these like tendrils of of fog break off from the storm and go like, it seems hunting across the ground. They go seeking humans. Yes, they, um, and like they and and they say at one point, "Don't touch the metal." But like, no, that's going straight for humans. Yeah, no, this yeah. is this is deliberate. This is targeted attacks. Yeah, um, those seem to be the two. I mean, besides lack of natural resources, those seem to be the two. Question: Suddenly, yeah. I'm wondering from Stonados, mm-hmm. were the ice bombs also frozen methane? No, they were some other compound. Okay, okay. They were a different compound. So the interesting, when when the methane, I thought that the main, like, and no one, they never really bring it up or talk about it, but, like, if giant crystals of methane were falling into the Earth, into the, onto the Earth like that, one of the big problems would also be that the Earth's temperature would be, like, those are greenhouse gases. Right, because they're exploding when they're hitting the surface, and well, they're obviously and also, not the upper yeah, atmosphere, they're so they're turning gaseous, yeah. and the air would be full of methane. Yeah. So ultimately, like I, the whole time, I was like, "Man, you guys don't have to worry about the big sun because the one of the one of the risks is that they're getting pulled toward the bigger sun." There um, are two so, suns oh, and I believe four moons yeah. in the so we get pulled into a different solar system. Yes. Yeah, and it, there's two suns, and one we're a safe distance from, but one we're being pulled in in by the gravity of, and so we're gonna eventually Earth is going to plunge into the sun. Yes. Um, and, but I was like, the whole time I was like, man, I, I'm also concerned about global warming on this planet, (laughs) on this wasteland of a planet. Climate change is real here. Um, but yeah, those methane, those methane, like, uh, kind of crystal bombs were an interesting twist because I, they move quickly, but they're very large. Yes. And they also, when they hit, they don't necessarily like they hit buildings and almost seem to dissipate on impact without, despite being allegedly large chunks of ice, they didn't, like, blow holes in buildings, and maybe that was just a CGI decision because of cost, but it seemed yeah. like when they hit things, they just sort of burst and dissipated, and I was like, I don't know, I feel like they'd be causing a bit more destruction than just, like, gas dispersion. Even See, I, though, as yeah. you pointed out, huge problem with methane. 
So the, it should like yes, with the buildings, I felt like it should cause more destruction, and then with like on the on the human scale, I felt like maybe a little less destruction. Mm-hmm. Like when when he's walking, Colin's walking around in the beginning, and then it comes and it hits the car, and it yeah. just fucks everything up. And I was like, that <laughs> seems extreme, to be honest. <laughs> That seemed disproportionately large, but like, you know what? I'm not going to, I'm not going to question that level of threat because I don't know what happens when a giant human sized methane crystal plummets from the sky. Yeah. We couldn't say. I I feel like it wouldn't act the same way that like a bunker buster does. (laughs) And this was on par. Oh yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I, I will say I didn't believe that immediately upon this man coming to consciousness, they would send him out on a scouting mission for resources in the landscape when he clearly collapses into bouts of amnesia, yeah, is no. fully incapacitated, and would become a total liability on the people he is going out scouting with. So the leader of the group's insistence that he be sent on a mission with this, like, clearly the most capable individual that they have, like, the most capable, like, land roving individual that they have almost kind of like it seemed like a lieutenant in this whole operation it's like yeah take out the new guy who has absolutely no reliable memory has been asleep on and off for a year and who is an utter wild card should be safe get out there on it yes that was absolutely my kind of like my when we like okay it's time for you to go on some runs i was like are, are you are, are you sure yeah <laughs> um, like what? my like, do we know why or what causes him to plunge back into, in, into, like, unconsciousness? What makes you think that he's going to not lapse back into it again? Nope. No, no, least, no confirmation like, of any of those things. I would have maybe put him on, like, a kitty leash attached to one of the other dudes. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's a just a lot of unknowns yeah. about, about what or why. And then also, <clears throat> like, one of the first things when he comes to... And I, I love this I, in terms of the reality. I actually love this moment. So when he comes to and he's looking through his like little memento photos mm-hmm. and he has notes scribbled on them and it like explicitly says like, you lost your memory. This is what's happening. And then he sees like a picture of a blonde woman and a blonde child. And he's mm-hmm. like, this is my wife and child. <laughs> I have to find them. And Sarah's like, absolutely the fuck not. You won't go find them. Yeah. They yeah. are dead. Yeah. We spent a lot of energy to save you. And you're going to put people in danger if you go do that. And he's yeah. like, Oh, okay. Yeah. And he kind of resigns himself. And I was like, it was this great moment because we have so many disaster movies that hinge on the lone man or the lone person having to go out. And I have to, I mean, Brittany Murphy, I have to get back to oh, my man. child. Oh my God, the child. Yeah. The, or, the, or The Rock being like, fuck you, Los Angeles. I'm stealing a helicopter and <laughs> helicoptering to San Francisco. I Regardless mean, of what you Alexander Daddario, an an errand worth running, a life worth saving. I, yes, I Jordan. I know you would you would commandeer any number <laughs> of public well, vehicles. And as Mika let us know, the real hero of that movie. Yeah. Oh, she was. I mean, El- California could not have been saved without her. <laughs> but given that we have like this is a major reoccurring theme in most yep. of these movies. Oh yeah. One of the things that I kind of loved is I was like that they just shut it down immediately. I was like, no, 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 no. I'm sorry, sir. You are not going out into a strange landscape where you have absolutely no context for anything. Yeah. To go be a hero. Um, but I did also wonder, I was like, okay, so you guys know that he thinks that his wife and child are out there. You're gonna send him out on an errand 
Just yeah. Un- mostly on soup. Like tell him to go find some gas. Like once they get to the, to the gymnasium, they send him on his own to go get gasoline. Yeah. That seems like an important task that you should not be yeah. trusting to the man who's prone to, to fits. <laughs> to fits. No, I completely yeah. agree. They were, they were jeopardizing their already, scarce resources by doing so and it, yeah. i think it should be it should be explained that i i appreciated the device that this movie uses i thought they they made it mostly not confusing by the end yeah. we are existing in dual timelines throughout this movie where at a certain point we see the same exact clip played over and over again far too many times when this guy Colin looks up at the bill, looks up and sees the black hole and goes, Oh God. I think we saw that at least four times. It was like, okay, we understand now. Um, but the whole movie exists in two timelines where we're with present day alternate, like present day post wormhole Colin in the post apocalypse. And then also with one year ago, everything's okay in Los Angeles, Colin. And it turns out these are not necessarily just flashbacks they are future memories and that it turns out Colin is coexisting in two dimensions at once, the past and the present, and can actually communicate with his between his past and present self, which a uh, like, nuclear engineer describes to him at some point along the way. And so it turns out that to save the present, past Colin has to put future Colin and his cohort in a position to succeed by getting materials in place for them to utilize to get like in their catastrophic present to then reignite the fuel cell test that went cattywampus the first time and will then send them back through the wormhole to save earth. And I bring that up because Amanda mentions wife and son, he sees in this this little flipbook of memory stuff a, a woman and a, a child, and it turns out that those two people, like the woman and the kid, are actually models for this brochure that was put together to advertise this fuel cell he had his father had created and he had refined and was finally taking it to its final stages of maturation. And this brochure outlined the technology that he made. Well. It's a whole piece patchwork part of the memory when he was at the party on New Year's Eve. He has memories of this blonde woman who was at the party because she's going to be in the brochure. So I guess she's a like company spokesmodel. And so he like has to delineate what is real and what is not over the course of the movie as he learns for real what it's going to take to save the world and what what was actually a, a part of his life and his memories and what was sort of a fabrication or something was a confusion. So... He never did have a wife and child. That was just part of the memory book to like remind him of the work he had done. Yeah. Is that explanation. I, which I, so that the reveal happens about halfway through the movie that suddenly yeah. where you start, you realize that the flashbacks that he's been having, that the timeline is actually a dual timeline where like, yes. it's not necessarily if these are flashbacks, it might be that what we're watching in the present, what we've considered the present is actually a flash forward. Yep. Yep. At that moment, like my head snapped up and I was like, you have my attention, sir, because that is <laughs> ambitious. For a, it was a really ambitious. I think that is one of the most ambitious 
narrative things we have seen in this movie or like in, in any of these movies, yeah. let alone a, in a movie that has the budget of like yes. a student film. Yes, exactly. Um, it was, it was actually shockingly well done. Yeah. I got it. Like yeah. credit no, it was, where credit it was shockingly like, no, well handled. It was, yeah. For, for a movie that didn't have to try this hard to do something unique. Yes. yes. They did something really unique, and you know what? That was that was a bold move that actually paid off. And I'm a little bummed. Like the the problem that we have is that the only way to discuss this movie is to spoil it. Right. Right. And in fact, like we should probably put a spoiler warning at the top of this. Like this is one that before we listen, you, you listen to, you're gonna want to watch it because <laughs> you're gonna want to watch it. Look, it's like 70 minutes. Yeah, it is, yeah, it's breezy. It is, it is basically like, call your cable company, and while you're waiting to reach a customer service representative, watch this movie. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, so when he goes it. out, yeah, no, and so when he goes out into the world, um, and obviously gets somebody killed with his ignorance out in the, the yeah. mad landscape, he ends up pursuing this little street urchin girl who steals his bag from him. Well, that puts him in with uh, two two of the people who will be part of his little, like, hero cohort. Uh, what was the woman's name? The girl was Zoe. Nadia. It Nadia. Took me a while. Like, they don't say names very often, so no. I definitely didn't know her name until the last scene of the movie. I only, because... Colin and Jasper's names were the only ones I knew, and then Zoe, yeah. like, Colin, Jasper, and Zoe, Zoe everybody else, yeah. I was like, did anybody even say their names? Yeah, no, it was, her name was Nadia. And I, I know that because in the, in the last scene, he yells it and, and freaks her out. Right, right. Um, but otherwise, yeah, no. So he runs, he the the he has one of his fits while uh, searching for, Gas. for gasoline. And Zoe, who is, I, uh, we'll talk about the styling in a second, but Zoe, the street urchin, like, steals his bag and he goes chasing her. And then the the guys that he's been out with go chasing after him being like dude there's an e cloud coming you have yeah. to go hide and then one yeah. dies by e cloud and he keeps chasing um and he ends up chasing zoe into a situation where they're both hiding in the same car without him knowing he's hiding in the car with her yeah like we see her get in a hatchback ford focus and then he keeps running looking for her then he gets in the same ford focus and i was like oh he's gonna confront her and then he gets out of the car and starts looking for he's like and it's like you didn't see her get into the same fucking ford focus it's the only car in front of you you didn't check he, like clearly this is one of those situations where dudes and women lead very different lives because the first thing <laughs> I do when I get into a car is I check behind me. Yes, very much and so. You wouldn't be able to not see the street urchin hiding in the Ford Focus hatchback. Um, <laughs> but he like then proceeds to stand there yelling with his back turned to the Ford Focus while she sneaks out of the back of the car. Yeah. <laughs> which was unintentionally hilarious. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, I know you're hiding around here. It's like, no, you don't, actually. You, don't. Right. you knew. You'd know she was right behind you. Well, Colin and lost the hide-and-seek championship. Like, that is clear. <laughs> and much, you know, much like our our present world, uh, abusive men persist in the post-apocalypse. Yeah. And Zoe and Nadia, who became a sort of little band of survivors, a little duo of survivors together right at the beginning of the incident. Uh, they were like, right when the wormhole incident occurred, they were having a, a sort of altercation. Zoe tried to steal Nadia's purse. Uh, and then suddenly they're warped into a new dimension and well, they only have each other. So they become like this little de facto mother daughter pair. Well, they've ended up with this 
terrible bastard of a man who keeps them alive in part by being a terrible bastard of a man and like, you know, probably threatens everybody that comes near, but is also very abusive to them. And in, I thought this was going to be a huge reality breaching moment, but fortunately Nadia gets us back on track. Abusive guy knocks out Colin. And when he comes to, he's like, you know, why should I keep you alive? And Colin's like, I have money. I have lots of money. And the guy's like, money, how much? And immediately I'm like, why are we having a money conversation? Thank you. That was going to be my next reality question. Exists to burn for fire. What do you mean you are going to bargain with money right now? And fortunately, to my great relief, Nadia's like, we don't need money. We need food. And I was like, okay, thank God someone in in universe is saying this right now. Yeah, I also, I was immediately like, what? And then even when when he was like, there's a rumor that we're going to go back through the wormhole and it'd be pretty good to have $100,000 in cash when we go back to this other, to, when we go back to our own solar system. Yeah. And at that point, they hadn't established the rules of what that space travel would mean. Yeah. So in my head, I was like, so we still have a shitty, decrepit Earth where everything's like, that's what, what I could, think. Like, it's just yeah. going to deposit us back here in the Milky Way. Yeah. And then and we I was recover like, from there. Not but the case. You'll still have you'll still have monopoly money. So what does it matter, sir? <laughs> yeah. So that was definitely I did not I like I also was like you know what fine uh, angry abusive man with bad priorities was yeah. not the fact that his priority was suddenly money and not food did not did not disturb my reality index because I was like yeah you know what I fully believe that this guy has those priorities and doesn't understand why he's an idiot. he's a bully with a gun he's not the brains of this operation that is very clear so that 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 fully tracked i did appreciate that despite him strong arming nadia and zoe they did constantly push back on him yeah i was worried there would be a lot of kowtowing and a lot of like meek looks but he they they did they did they did push back and I was like, okay, I can appreciate that. That makes me feel better about what we're doing with these characters. But I also really liked that there was no sexual violence. Yes. I really liked I that too. Really and seemingly no implication, sense. seemingly yeah. no implication of like a forced sexual relationship between the guy and Zoe and Nadia. Like yeah. they didn't, there was no, you're my property kind of thing. Like anything to signal that we should understand that as their, their dynamic, which was nice. I did appreciate yeah. that. That was really, that was actually very, because I was kind of like, <clears throat> had my hackles up waiting for something gross, and there was nothing gross. It was a, it was very much this, yeah, that was a, a he was a bully with a gun, not like he was their post-apocalyptic pimp. And so yeah, I, yeah. I appreciated that. Um, but this did, his presence really brought to light, you know, for you, your, your pet peeve of like the easy Easy. Oh my god! Uh, ju- the, oh my god! I was losing my mind with him. By far, the low yes. point of the movie for me was him, and not because he was a bad guy, because he just kept screaming like, "Get going! Get going! Go! Go! Give go. me the money! Get going! Go! Open, open, oh, open the vault! Oh my open the vault! Like, god! Stop! No. Show me! Show me! Like, just stop repeating sentences. Just the Even- same goddamn thing over and over again. I was in. I was getting so angry. Like, at the end, even Colin did it, too, when they were trying to, like, restart the fuel cell so they were pouring gasoline into the fuel cell or whatever. Yeah. And I actually, I br- come on, come on, come on. That's good, that's good. Cap it off, cap it off. Like, why is that? <laughs> was this improvised? Yeah. Did you guys just, like, any time that there was a scene where there was panic, you were just like, just do what you're feeling, guys. Like, go yeah. for it. 
Speak your truth. Like why that's an unnecessary amount of words. And uh, I, there were, there was definitely like every, every time there was panic, it became a lot of just repeating the same yes. did not need to be said things. Yes. No, that, that, that was, that is true. And that was quite irritating. Um, and so w- once, uh, once a uh, bully man realizes that he can get a hundred thousand dollars of useless cash, what, what the guy really wants, what, what, um, Colin really wants is to get back to his, cause one of the pictures in his little book is of his company, Prite Industries, I think his yeah. name is like Colin Prite. Um, you know, in the company, he was the guy he needs to get there, but he doesn't quite know why, but he knows he needs to get to that building. Well, once they make it there, it becomes a showdown inside his office where he's trying to get into the safe because the guy wants the cash and then there's a struggle and then, uh oh, an e-cloud invades the building where it starts, as we mentioned, hunting people. Yeah. And fortunately, Nadia gets one good whack in at the bully laying him out uh, before the e-cloud gets to him and neutralizes him as a problem. But, and I think here's where the movie really starts to find its voice, is when, uh, like, Seth Rogen-esque Jasper appears in the movie in the lobby of this building. He saves Colin and Nadia and Zoe, and he's the guy who kind of knows, he's the one who knows more about anything that's going on than anybody else. He is one of the engineers who worked on the original fuel cells and actually had met Colin at that New Year's Eve party. Neither of them seems to remember the other at all. Obviously, Colin doesn't have a memory, and it seems like Jasper just didn't recognize him. But he actually has a whole damn plan for getting the fuel cells up and running again to execute another test that would send them back through the wormhole. So here's where like our heroes, our band of heroes really comes together. And then they take, uh, they flee uh, the storm happening in downtown LA in his suburban and head to what looks mostly like rundown, if not pleasant, Eastern Los Angeles. Yeah. (laughs) Craftsman home. I was about to say when they when when Nadia or Zoe, Zoe I think called like signals that he's crazy and I'm like ma'am you are standing in a fully intact lovely craftsman you are in a you are in a furnished home why ma'am have you been living in cars downtown when apparently like Los Feliz and Silver Lake are just looking great still there's some like garbage in the streets but there are whole damn houses you could be living in what yeah. the hell have you people been doing on the street all I, the died there are homes waiting for you to live in them that don't cost you four million dollars anymore go that's the thing is that finally craftsmen are affordable again like i know the the tragic first thought i had when we cut to like the sepia toned like neighborhood that he lives in was like man you could finally afford to get a house in la like it was that truly was the first thing that popped into my head was oh man if anything's gonna take down real estate that's it yeah, no, it, it, it takes the apocalypse to be able to own a home in Los Angeles is the lesson that we learned as an engineer. Like, Jasper's yeah. got to be making good money. Yeah. And he, it, it took the, I would assume that's not his home. It took the apocalypse for Jasper to, to adopt squatter's rights. <laughs> become a homeowner in the city yeah. of L.A., in the side of L.A. Um, yeah, that was, and it was very... It was very funny seeing how localized the storm was, which that to me strained a bit of the credulity with the, like we get at one point, there were a lot of like great wide shots actually in this movie of devastation. I really appreciated that. And at one point we pull out and we see like a from space view of the earth where there's basically 
a hurricane the size of a state settling over Los Angeles. And so it's like, I don't think it would be so mild in Los Feliz right now with the size of that storm if it were absolutely raining hell in downtown Los Angeles right now. That seems reasonable to me. Yeah, the scale and the scope and like the frequent, like the, 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 how quick they came and went. Yeah. Because, and there were no meteors falling in his neighborhood. There were constant methane bombs falling downtown. And it's just calm as can be when they're sitting out like in his front yard on a picnic table. Yeah. And they can like see a storm gathering on the horizon. It was very, the scale and the scope and the length of time that things occurred was very, um, convenient <laughs> yes yes I, one might say mm-hmm. um as would one might as one would expect in these circumstances uh and by these circumstances i mean in a movie where they have 70 minutes <laughs> and not a lot of budget right yeah but i love it uh, so yeah so they so so that's the point where jasper's like you can talk to yourself in the past and he basically yeah. just he lays out the whole, it's in that moment that he lays out for us and for Colin the entire cross-dimensional theory and is like, you, and he explains everything I explained earlier, which is that you need to cooperate with your alternate dimension self to help us be in a position to succeed because if we can get enough fuel to power the facility where the test needs to happen, all we need to do is get this fuel cell there, we can ignite it again, and then we can theoretically go back. And so- what that's what Colin that's where our, our existing in the the alternate dimensions dually becomes much more frequent and it's kind of it starts cutting back and forth much more rapidly where we see each Colin sort of traveling the same route and doing like parallel with one another doing different activities in either timeline to to complete the mission yeah and, in the case and- of in the case of okay timeline Colin it's getting the fuel cell to the testing facility so that bad timeline Colin can show up at the facility and it will have already been planted there so he can start the test again. Yes. And keeping it out of government hands because he realizes, he realizes very quickly that there, that it's not just that the fuel, that he has to get the fuel cell because it was in his safe. And then he realizes that it wasn't in his safe in the current timeline Yes. And that it, it, there's a risk that it's fallen into government hands. Yes. Um, because the there's an entire CMO. other character we have not discussed. Exactly. The crooked CMO. Yeah. And that would be Brian Krause, who, if you are ever in a situation where you work in tech and your business partner is Brian Krause, <laughs> just assume he's evil. Like, yes. Just exactly. assume he's up to no good. That's just, yeah. I, that's it's like if you see Stellan Skarsgård, yeah. you're in trouble. If you see Julian McMahon, yep, you're in trouble. You've got a problem. Human spoiler, these actors. Yeah, and like that was, I was like, you guys aren't even, like, in terms of casting, when you're going for, like, I'm going to have the bad guy be a shocking reveal to this character. (laughs) Colin is, like, shocked to realize that he's been betrayed by this man. And the rest of us watching this are like, dude, have you not seen his body of work? Yeah, have, have you guys not been watching his filmography? Come on. Did you not look in his eyes and see, like... The greed? Yeah, that he just has money signs in, in lieu of pupils? 
Yeah, what of course he wants to do is, because Colin wants to complete his father's work and fulfill his vision, and his crooked CMO is like, your father died penniless with no major accomplishments, the government's interested in this, basically let's make it a weapon. And so he, I don't know what his, I don't know what he thinks is going to happen when he initiates the test in the, in the early timeline. Like, I don't know what the, I don't know what the end game is of the fuel cell when it goes awry and then shoots us through the universe into another solar system. But he, as we see the timelines jumping back and forth, well, sadly, we must say on the way to the testing, there is a, a, as a result of like, I think falling methane bombs, the suburban uh, goes ass over tea kettle. They get in a wreck, and sadly, Jasper is lost. Who, at that point, I had really grown fond of his it's like manic giant guy energy. I really, yeah. really liked it. He was there was something very charming and sweet about him that I really enjoyed. There was nothing yeah. like snarky, sciencey, know it all. Like it just, he was just like a sweet doofy. He had a real brass energy to him. <laughs> he had some brass. He had, he had a little brass. Like he, and we're not talking. He wasn't Delroy Lindo level, but there was like a sweetness to him that you don't always get in these like crazy nerd characters. That <laughs> I knew he was a red shirt. Like that was just going to happen. And the uh-huh. way I knew he was a red shirt was because Zoe wasn't an age appropriate love interest for him. Yes. Yes. And so I was like, okay, Zoe's not an age appropriate love interest. So therefore, he's going to die. That's just, that's just a rule. And it's um, really too bad. I wanted to see him have a moment of recognition with Colin when things were righted again in the yeah. universe. I would have, I would have really liked that or like a moment of sacrifice at that point for him where he's like, where he and Colin are like, I, one of us has to do it. And then like Jasper goes and does something instead of like what Colin does at the end, which is Colin stands too close to the fuel cell and looks directly into it, <laughs> yeah. which I feel like it's not a good science practice. <laughs> nor is it nor is it OSHA. Probably compliance. not. Yeah, like that's that's an OSHA an OSHA violation for sure. Um, but yeah, it was a bummer to lose Jasper that way. And then kind of but the upside to losing Jasper was that it meant that we got back Sarah and her ragtag band. Right. Because they he puts out Jasper or uh, Colin puts out the call that they need fuel. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. he 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 manages to reach Sarah and her group who are currently like planning to pack up and go to a bunker of some sort, which yeah. I feel like they maybe should have been in the bunker to begin with. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know why they don't live in the bunker. Like if you've got a bunker in a, in an apocalypse, use the bunker. Yeah, definitely. Definitely a point of unbelievability that they do not exist in the bunker, the yeah. maximum safety facility. When, when she said we have to, when they were like, we have to go to the bunker. And I was like, wait, the place with the roll down gates. Is- <laughs> <laughs> that seems confusing. Especially if you're going to so set up I- medical triage tents. You, you don't want to yeah. set that up anywhere where you would have to move these people. But, but they were going to go to the bunker. So instead they reroute and go to save, um, to bring fuel to Colin. And I was, I, I was thrilled to see Sarah again. I was because too. I wanted an entire movie. I want a separate timeline movie about Sarah. About I her like Sarah her a needs. Lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see her as like a no nonsense nurse. I'll take yeah, it. I imagine like, her as like a heroic, like, yeah, emergency room doctor in downtown Los Angeles. Yeah. 
See, I, I was picturing because she was like, I, I was kind of on board with like the idea that she's sort of the the nurse that oversees and like goes head to head with the chief of surgery and does right <laughs> by her patients, even in the face of like never greedy. trust the chief of surgery. Never trust. I, no, no, no. Or like the hospital, the hospital chief is trying to cut costs, and she's like, my nurses are working doubles out here. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> So she would she I would, would like to sign up for more shifts in coronavirus. Yeah. Sarah Sarah's at home making PPE in her downtime and like yeah. crowds. She's a nurse manager. Sarah's a nurse manager. Yeah. One of my favorite so. terms that has been introduced to me by my nurse roommate. Because of course it's just a manager of nurses, but just saying nurse manager is a very specific title. Yeah, I like I like that. I like the nurse, <laughs> ma- nurse manager or manager nurse. I think nurse manager sounds better. Yeah, no, it's it's nurse manager. Yeah. <laughs> nurse manager, I, know, but I, was, like, debating. I know that's like the title, but I was like, is manager nurse sound better or worse? Because nurse manager, there's something about it that feels almost like, like child sounding, yeah. like a kid yeah. came up with that name. Yeah. I love yeah. it. Like space it's so doctor. literal. It's so literal. It's extremely, yeah. What, what are you? I am a nurse manager. I manage yeah. the nurses. Yeah. And I'm not just a nurse who is a manager. I'm not just a manager. I'm a nurse manager. <laughs> That's like the cadence with with, way, with which I was hit. Well, my nurse manager. It's like, oh, I've heard that term. Okay, I know what you're talking about. Um, but yeah, Sarah, Sarah, and her her band of brothers. They're you know they're arguing about it. They're skeptical. They're like, if we don't leave, if we don't have this fuel. That's everything we've got. Like we can't take care of these people. We can't bet on some crazy theory. And but they decide like you know they're gonna bet on Colin and they're gonna yeah. bet on hope. And so they they do take all of their fuel supplies to this uh, the fuel X Corp testing facility that is it made my Los Angeles living in uh, heart uh, beat a little faster when Colin informed them that it's just off like it's just past the ten on Firestone. I was like, all right, we got a yeah. reference to the ten in an LA movie, which <laughs> it's real now. We got it. I like that he gave directions that sound on par with when you're like talking about Long Beach Toyota and they're like, where's Long Beach Toyota? You've, it's just off the, like, it's just off the 405 at, at Victory. And you're like, wait, what? That's not, when he said that, I was like, that's not directions though. Yeah. Like no. it is, but it's not. Yeah. And also past the 10 means everything and nothing also. Yeah. Like you're, the you're 10 goes saying, for a very long time. You're basically saying it's north. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that was that was a real treat. Um, and but then they so they get to the testing facility and we're we're seeing like at this point we're hypercuts back and forth. We see we see suited up party night Colin running to get that fuel cell, running to hide it. He's getting beat up along the way. He Cordy suddenly has goes, ninja skills, which I really oh, yeah, appreciated. Yeah, he like out of nowhere combat specialist somehow in the past timeline. Yeah, like he roundhouse kicks a dude at one point, he's disarming yeah. people. Um and meanwhile, in the current timeline, like other than when he disarms Zoe, which like that was in the little girl, but like she's also a child. Yeah. <laughs> like his other best move against angry, abusive, crazy man is that he throws money in his face. Yeah. And then yeah, when he the, the hell out of him. And then and then gets like the shit beaten out of him. But meanwhile, like tactical ops Colin in the past. Yeah. Yeah, he seems it was impressive. Have, he seems to have forgotten his matrix training is one of the things that has left him <laughs> from his past life. And and I personally really liked the effect of watching our team walk through the halls in analog positions to past Colin. And I was like, you know what? This is working for me. This is quite clever. Yeah. I, I feel very invested in this like step-by-step journey. And, 
you know, there's a great moment of celebration when they get the fuel. For some reason, this thing just runs on gas. Like this, yeah. this advanced nuclear fuel cell testing facility just needed some gas to kick over. Um, but they get it going and everybody like celebrates. Hurrah! And I like that there weren't, there was kind of like, there was one bad guy kind of, it was the bully with the gun. But beyond that, they didn't try to put in another source of conflict where the conflict of the earth catastrophe was enough. And I was yeah. very glad for that. And so then like, you know, they get the fuel cell in. Sadly, we don't have Jasper anymore, but Colin gets it running. He hits it. He starts it somehow. And then nobody realizes for a while that it worked. But then at long last, we get sucked back through the wormhole. Earth goes home. Yes. At which point time we, and space. Yes. At which point we learn the answer to the question that Amanda brought up earlier. What, is this just dropping us back off in our solar system? Or No, no, no. It's fully turning back the clock. We are going to the night of the test past Colin has done the right things to resolve the threat. The, the crooked CEO is no longer launching the, the tests that will destroy them. And we are just, it's just that new year's night. It's just that new year's Eve and okay. Okay. We get a do over. It's a mulligan. It ends with a mulligan. Yeah. Which a little weird that it ends at that point, because that means that he undid everything that happens and therefore like the fuel cell still is, is in his safe. And just because he punched the CMO doesn't mean that timeline wise, it doesn't actually make sense, but <laughs> everything is okay. Jasper is talking to the blonde model yep, that yep. Uh, Colin had been planning on firing and no longer is going to fire. So that's, yeah, because he like really... wanted her to be a brunette or something. I feel like that yeah. was the note on it was like brunette. Yeah, make like, her okay. a brunette. And, and, and then he decides that she can keep her job. So model has a happy ending. Jasper goes running out and like finds Nadia and Zoe at midnight because well, Zoe and Nadia first meet because Zoe mugs Nadia um, after Nadia's fiance has broken up with her. Yes. At, yeah. Nadia's fiance has broken up with her moments ago so he at midnight was like i am not spending another second of this new year engaged to you which yeah. is the very a true. bold move fiance of <laughs> nadia like, well and i is, think that is a tactical decision to ruin someone's entire year yeah, that's true that's a lot of spite that yeah, is that is a decision like, made with a lot of spite yeah, that is, that is, I don't want you to even have a second of next year will be better. <laughs> you are going to have to spend every single, that is Man, like if at 2020, dark. that is like if 2020 at midnight was like, oh, but also <laughs> coronavirus. Yeah. But also I mean, basically that is, that is actually essentially how 2020 started for us because like four days into 2020, we thought we were going to war with Iran. So like, that's true. Yeah, he basically 2020'd her entire year. Yeah. <laughs> and I think we also learn, actually, in that brief moment that Colin was... Because, like, they make him look like a nice guy in the past, but I feel like we also... We learn that he's kind of a dick. When yeah. we come back, because he thanks his assistant for something, and she's like, did you just thank me? It's like, wait, are you a piece of shit? Like, Yeah, apparently <laughs> he, he sucked, which we never got any indication of. No, no, we don't... Like, he's he's neutral at best, and then it's kind of implied at the end, like, oh, you needed to go on this moral journey to also redeem yourself to, like, r like do your life better than you did the first time, which I didn't see coming. 
Yeah, no, I that was I was I I wasn't sure what that little side note was, but I was, I was like, okay, sh- maybe maybe your bad assistant was honestly what I took from that. <laughs> yeah. like, may, like from what we've seen, Colin doesn't suck. So maybe Amanda's bad at your job with the man. Um, and normally <laughs> I wouldn't, but we have no indication that Colin like Colin was in fact the few flashbacks we've gotten like he he's the moral side of her. Yeah, like he's in the flashback telling telling Brian Krause, like, I don't want to use this for government. Like, he's not the one dri- as the driving force. Yeah. We don't see him snap at his assistant in the past. So <laughs> I kind of have to assume maybe she was bad at her job. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. As, as, a ba- as a former bad assistant. Fair. I, I you know, like, recognize, like on this one. <laughs> One thing and then, I do want to circle back to, though, um, yes. before we talk about the the insanity of the last moments, because I do think that is a reality index thing. Oh, yeah. The the last moment is the absolute biggest fucking mistake in this whole movie. Oh, yes. But, but as you're saying. Yeah. Um, reality index, the post-apocalyptic fashions. Love it. Love the it. The aesthetic of this world. Like I can't get enough of... Hollywood tactical sexy like I I think it really hit its peaks and I love it so much in Blade Trinity Uh and I love it so much in the TV show Terminator the Sarah Connor Chronicles oh my god that is the absolute of leather jackets half zipped the absolute final form of the like tank top fitted cargo weapon belt leather jacket military boot look yeah it is i mean that's that when i think of that look that is that that show embodies it and this movie was really dancing on that line and i did a great great job with it i loved zoe's like head scarf with goggles situation (laughs) she had like like, lightly steampunk like she had like steampunk goggles yeah. For no good reason. Because um, no one ever <laughs> uses the goggles. Like No, I, th- I think at one point we see Colin in the goggles and that's it. Colin wears sunglasses. Oh, you're Colin right. Colin is given sunglasses. <laughs> She's just got goggles on her head like Anakin Skywalker in the first yeah. in Star Wars Phantom Menace. But it was adorable. <laughs> I loved the whole look. I loved the scarves being casually draped. I liked that when Colin was sent out into the world for the first time. They handed him like a full outfit that did include a scarf. Yeah, and it was like, what, are, what are those very specific scarves called? It starts with a K. They're very like hip fashionable on urban men, but they're also worn by like men in Arab countries. Yeah, they're that. That, like very loose knit. Yeah, and they have that pattern. I'm gonna look it up. Keep talking. But yeah, I, I like I love that he was deployed with that. They're like, well, you're one of us now, so here's a standard issue steampunk post-apocalyptic outfit. Yeah, so everybody's yeah. like Jasper was wearing a little head scarfy thing. It was just I really enjoyed the full aesthetic that they were bringing to that movie in terms of like what the apocalypse looked like, because as we've seen, um, the apocalypse actually looks like yoga pants and no bras. So it is a kefia scarf. It thank is a you. kefir. I kept thinking it was kefir, yep. and I was like, I think kefir is food. So yeah, no, I, I Googled it as kefir, knowing it wouldn't be that, but knowing that suggestion Google's suggestions would lead me to the right place. It is yes. that it is the exact urban, tactical, non-functional look 
that we have been given by Hollywood that I think is one of my favorite things that is completely not like tactically justifiable, but like fabulous. It's absolutely yeah, it's, it's like when you watch it's like when you watch the Hunger Games and everybody in District 12 has amazing knits on. And it's like you all are wearing luscious knits in the mining district. And I don't believe it, but you look amazing. Yeah, it looks so good that I can't argue. Like I'm not <laughs> yeah. sure why Katniss would spend this many hours a day working on a perfect braid. But <laughs> I have no questions about it. Likewise, exactly. Nadia's nighttime smoky eye. Yeah. <laughs> and her was, hair style, her very intentional hair yeah. style that she has maintained for a year in the apocalypse. Yeah. No, she found she found pomade in the <laughs> apocalypse. And I gotta respect that. I gotta respect that level of scavenging. Um because I can't say that I would do the same in the apocalypse. I don't think that my outfits uh, are going to be quite on par. So I did really, really enjoy the styling in this movie, um, which again is something we don't often have to dis- we don't often discuss. But they that was something that they really they really brought it with, you know. <laughs> which brings us to uh, Nadia serving another look in the very end of this movie. Oh my god. So what we know, yeah, to- what we know from Nadia's breakup is that it happened mere blocks from where this New Year's Eve party was happening, where Colin was at, and he remembers this. So once he's back in the present timeline, he goes, he punches Danny and fires him, and then goes running immediately to find her, where he knows Nadia is going to be getting in a cab, having been freshly broken up with, and Zoe is going to try and steal her purse as she attempts to get in a cab, which she says, "I'm going to Koreatown," which I don't believe her, and <laughs> so. Then he just like, so it hap- It plays out exactly as it's supposed to. Nadia is for some reason like leaning with her ass out into the sidewalk as she's like looking into the cab, asking the driver like to take her to Koreatown. It's like, just get in the cab. Koreatown isn't like asking somebody to take you to Pasadena. Just get in the cab and say you're going to Koreatown. And as she's standing there, with her bag exposed, Zoe runs up and tries to take it, and they, like, yell a few words at each other before Colin runs up and is like, ladies, 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 ladies. Yeah. <laughs> he Just yells like, their names, grabs them both by the bicep. Yep, yep, yep. A very intimate and or patronizing gesture, in this yeah. case, patronizing. Uh, and it's like, Zoe? Intimate. That is... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, if, if a stranger grabs me by the bicep, the stranger's getting decked. Yeah, no, that's a that's a punch on reflex move. Yeah. And this woman who's just been broken up with and this girl who lives on the street and is likely very sensitive to people being within her personal space because they could be an active threat to her, especially as a young, pretty woman. Yeah, a young, she's a runaway. And she, yeah, she's a runaway. And so he just, like, grabs them both by the arms and is like, Zoe, give her her purse back. Oh, Nadia. And they're just standing there looking mildly confused, but not at all requisitely pissed off enough, given what this utter stranger to them is doing right now. That was completely unbelievable. The, The women would not be like, excuse me, no, don't touch me. What are you doing? Who are you? Get away from me. What is going on? Like, who are you? What is the suit? What is happening? Get your fucking hand off me. Like, none of that which should have happened 
was even close to happening. And it's like, okay, look, I get that they're going to live happily ever after and they're going to merge their alternate dimension life with this one. But for now, this guy needs a fucking black eye. Yeah. And then he forces them all in the cab. And I was like, oh, this is the abduction part of the movie yes. now. Yes. Yeah. And he's like, come on, we'll all go. And he like forces them all into the cab and they're just like, okay. And all he told he's like, and, and, and then story. Yeah. And he's like, come Can on, you get, imagine- in the- get in the cab. Can you imagine being in that taxi and he starts explaining to you how he knows you? And you're like, this strange man ran up to me on the street, forced me into a cab, knows my name, and now is telling me that the earth traveled through a wormhole through space (laughs) and time. And that is how, like, not even Zoe would be bailing out of the sides of the cab. No, that was was the moment for, like, Colin runs there and does, like, a meet-cute thing. And that, like, it, like the, the there was a way to do that that was so that was less utterly cringy than what they did. Yeah. Instead, they made it the creepiest fucking thing possible, where basically Christian Gray shows up and starts <laughs> telling women how to live their life and get into a cab with him, and they're just like, "Oh, okay." It's like, no, what is this mulberry like? Fuck you guys. This wouldn't be happening right now. This homeless girl would be fucking booking it right now, being like, I'm not going to jail or becoming someone's rape slave. Like, I'm hit, I'm staying on the streets. Like, that was a psychotic ending of this movie. Yeah. All that they had to do was have him be like, let the cab go. How about I buy you both some coffee? Yeah, like, I yeah, I would love I would love to buy you breakfast. Like, yeah, like let, let's start with so some breakfast. Yeah. Like that's all, and then they the three of them walk off. That's all that needed to happen. And they're like, yeah. "How do you know me?" And he's like, "It's a long story. Let's get some pie." Like, yeah, let's fine. go to a public space yeah. where you don't have to worry about me locking you up somewhere and making you my human doll collection. It's just <laughs> waffles. Like, there yeah. were so many ways, and but like in the in the scheme of believability too. That a rich man, a rich white man in particular, would just run up to these two women on the sidewalk and be like, this is totally going to be normal and I'm entitled (laughs) to do this, was completely fucking believable. Yeah. No, I, like, it made sense to me why that was the ending in that sense. It was also, I was just like, there is no world in which that is how those two women react to those circumstances. Nope, not at all. Nope, not even remotely. Like... I, I I was I, I just kept staring at the screen afterwards. Yeah, it was, was on like, par. Uh, to go back to Fire from Below. It was on the level with, or um, not Fire from Below. God, fi- um, Fire Nados or oh, Fire oh, Twister. Oh, oh, Fire Twister. With the end when like Casper Van Dien is like, where should we go on vacation? <laughs> yeah. Iceland. It was on par with Barbie taking a vacation with Casper and his wife. Like that was the level of what is happening here. Oh, oh, Barbie! What a what a treasure! Yeah. So so that was that was definitely uh, in terms of believe that was where where they lost me a, a lot a lot. <laughs> yeah. Some the Earth catastrophe was utterly more believable than that. And so does that then bring us so, um, to what is this movie really about? Yeah, yeah, I think it it does. Jordan, you want to start this one? You know, I feel well, like I'm. I have to ask Jordan. Did you just walk in a full circle around that your house? Uh, no, I, I, I. It was a, it was a power adapter issue. So I was sitting in one place. I walked to the room with the outlet. On my way in, actually, I dropped all of my things on the floor that were not my computer. 
So I had to go back and get my notebook on the floor because it has it has the rest of my notes. So yeah, I wanted to make I just, sure. I just watched you just like do a circuit that I didn't I did. fully I did understand. So. I did just do a loop, but it was to pick something up. Yes. Um, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to go in sort of a, like, not going to go narrative. Uh, what is this mm-hmm. really about? I'm going to go just to sort of like meta. What was this really about in the sense of this movie, I think is about something that I hold uh, very near and dear to my heart as a movie fan, which is taking, and I feel like it's the spirit of this entire podcast podcast, but considering how delighted we were Surprisingly so, with the the uh, the effect that Earth Catastrophe had on both of us, with the level that we enjoyed it, I think this movie is a great example of meeting movies where they are and allowing yourself to, it's a sense of allowing yourself to be surprised by things, but also kind of not going into movies expecting, like, like you know, you want good movies, and so it's not fully a sense of like suspending expectations. People are allowed to have expectations, but I think it's the idea that to be so surprised, to be surprised by a movie being good or entertaining you means that you're going in with the assumption that the movie is not up to the challenge at baseline. And that's just, a, that's a joyless assumption to make about movies. It's why I can, it's why like, you know, you you kind of have your your snobby sort of film Twitter take on like I think perfectly embodied by the Ethan Hawke quote about like you know he was told that Wolverine was a great movie it was a great movie and then he saw it and he was like no it's a good superhero movie it's not Brisson it's like no it's not fucking Brisson it's a superhero movie and if you go into a superhero movie expecting Bergman well then of course your caliber your calibration of what that movie actually is is going to be pretty off and I feel like that's something we're really good at is taking movies as they come but this one even like the fact that I felt so surprisingly delighted as I was going through it I was like you know what I'm happy to feel this way but also you know what? Tisk tisk on you, Jordan, for having assumed at least a little bit going into this that Earth Tastrophe was not up to the task. I apologize to Earth Tastrophe for assuming it could not do its job well enough to make me have the, as nice of a time as I did. So that's what I'm going to take away from Earth Tastrophe. In fairness to you, Jordan, and I will just defend your assumptions for a moment. Oh, well, thank you. When you hear the name Earth Catastrophe, you have an expectation. Uh, and yes. it would be sort of like going into McDonald's and being told they have a new item called Meat Slab. And then finding <laughs> out that it is a perfectly cooked Kobe steak for right. $9. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, you're not expecting Meat Slab to be a culinary experience. No. No. You're really not. And Earth Catastrophe really was the Meat Slab. <laughs> it yeah no it, it is and and so yeah I just I hope that that can be I hope that, that can be a lesson to us all uh you know and I feel like if you're engaging in this podcast if you're somebody who likes listening to us and, and hearing about these movies you're not one of those people that I'm really speaking to but maybe maybe sometimes you find yourself falling into the uh trash heap film twitter discourse of it all somebody said something to me like I watched six underground the other night as well as the movie the old guard one is clearly better than the other. The Old Guard is a better movie, but I enjoyed both of them. And it's because I didn't expect Six Underground to be the Old Guard. I watched them back to back. I watched it, was like, you know what I'm about to watch? A fucking Michael Bay movie. And yeah. so I 
judge this movie only in the context of other Michael Bay movies. And somebody, uh, I posted about it on Twitter and somebody responded to me saying like, I, I, I actually really enjoyed myself watching that movie. I, I felt like I had to apologize to people and never fucking apologize for liking a movie even if it's a shitty movie, especially if it's a shitty movie, wear that on your sleeve, be proud of it, and just go in to experience joy in the things that you are seeing. Yeah, I think never apologize is a really good sort of I, ethos I, of I, our I podcast. Reject, I reject the notion of the guilty pleasure outright. Yeah. No. Screw you. you gotta, if I, I like I, it, there's nothing guilty about it. We the only The only guilt that one should feel is guilt that you are ashamed you should feel bad <laughs> for watching these in the darkness you should bring bring our bring our disaster movies into the light folks <laughs> yes exactly put that sunshine on them so amanda what is this about for you what is earth catastrophe about so earth catastrophe to me really it hinges around the idea that the past is the present is the future ah, you know, yeah. the, the, the flash forwarding the timelines all of that is really um and especially the idea of almost a um the 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 nuclear family mm-hmm, being mm-hmm. brought through in different timelines that he thinks he's got a nuclear family to save his wife and child yep, yep. he ends up um sort of with a a makeshift nuclear family in one timeline mm-hmm. with uh, Nadia and their almost surrogate daughter Zoe and that they then travel back and forth within time and that mm-hmm. also Nadia and Zoe cannot escape sort of being under the protective sphere of a man. True. Very true. Nadia, like that, that him grabbing both of their biceps. Yep. Yep. We're supposed to be like, Oh, they're saved by the good man now instead of a bad man. Yep. But also I'm looking at, I'm like, do we know? What do we really know about Colin? Apparently that he's a dick to his assistant or that he has a bad assistant. Could be, could be either. Could be both. (laughs) (laughs) As we look at the timeline and how the timelines kind of merge and go back and forth and play with each other, like maybe he isn't a good guy because we see in this one future that Nadia and Zoe are in sort of a makeshift nuclear family with a lunatic bad man. Yes. And that is a possible outcome for them. So maybe that's a a possible outcome in the past as well with Colin. Mm -hmm. We don't know what grown man takes in this, like takes in street urchin Zoe. What do we know about (laughs) Colin truly? So that is really where, for me, this movie came down to, is that we keep making the same mistakes, regardless of the timeline. And if we can communicate with our past selves, maybe we can stop and change the things. But Mm -hmm. also, maybe we cannot. Maybe the outcome is unknown. So that was kind of where I I ended up. Um, I feel like that's that's something, that's a point of view we need. We are with some mindset I feel like we're all very much in right now in in Corona times. Yeah, is, is what could have changed if we knew it, if we could yep. tell our past selves, and what are the unintended consequences of if we do know? Yep. Like, what is, is saving Zoe and Nadia going to lead to a better outcome? What if by stopping her getting in that cab, you know, the sliding doors thing, what if by not letting <laughs> Nadia go on to Koreatown, she's supposed to meet, like, maybe she's supposed to meet someone. Yeah. Maybe Colin is saving, is stopping her from finding somebody. We don't know. We don't know. So... So, yeah, the, the the idea of being able to go back into your past and being able to change things and affect the past that affects the future, but not actually necessarily seeing those same patterns reoccur. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big part of it. I like I like where we're going with this with Earth catastrophe. Yeah. And so, so where are we going 
with dream casting. So with dream casting, um, I, you know, Jordan, the movie Tenet has been uh, delayed quite a bit. Yes. I Give it up. Think we have Give it up, Chris proof Nolan. At this point. Do we have proof at this point that Tenet isn't Earth catastrophe? <laughs> <laughs> we don't have definitive proof. We don't. And you know what? So, I, I, she's not in my my dream casting list as I have it. But would I mind seeing Earth catastrophe with Elizabeth Debicki? No, I would not. So I'm just saying, like, if Christopher Nolan were to make Earth catastrophe, <laughs> it might be Tenet, and it might be the entire cast of Tenet. So. <laughs> yeah. Too true. That's that's where I'm going with that one. All right, all right. That's as good as anything, honestly. Yeah. I I had some real some 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 keys were hit in my mind as I was watching this. Um, as I as I said when we opened this, uh, the lead actor reminded me so much of Aaron Taylor Johnson that I have to cast Colin as Aaron Taylor Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to make the head of the sort of uh, triage shelter unit. Uh, Lenny James, British actor Lenny James. Mm-hmm. I would like his sort of uh, second in command with whom he has tension. I'm gonna make him Delroy Lindo because I'm great. Just gonna, yeah, make Delroy Lindo because that guy's Never fucking awesome. For Delroy Lindo, I would follow him into the apocalyptic landscape. So that yeah. that's the kind of energy I need from him. Uh, I am gonna make. I'm gonna make the bad the the bully man. I'm gonna make him. Julian McMahon. I'm gonna right. make him Julian McMahon because that's the kind of menace. Choice. Yeah, that's the kind of menace. Like as we discussed, his name has already come up on this podcast in this episode. I'm gonna make um I'm going to make Jasper. I actually really like that actor. I thought he did a really good job. But if we're gonna like d- polish this up a little bit, I'm gonna fully make him Seth Rogan. Like that's yeah, might as well. Yeah, that's he's Seth Rogan. That's that was totally that was the the sort of like the earth, he was the earth catastrophe level version of Seth Rogen to me. So I feel really, I feel really good about that. And I might have to make him live because honestly, I liked him too much and I didn't find that to be a necessary sacrifice. Yep, um, agreed. And I'm going to have Nadia be Rada Mitchell. You're going to have to give me more than that. I'm going <laughs> to. Meaning uh, that's not ringing any bells for you. I think you'll know her face when oh, you hold look. On. I just Googled her. Yeah. I feel like she will be a good compliment, oddly, for my Aaron Taylor Johnson casting in this case. And then for um, for Zoe, actually found that actress to be quite charming. And uh, she was reminding me a lot of uh, Lacey Chabert circa Party of Five. She had big Party of Five energy. And or if you want to go into the movie Stick It, which honestly, a film to me, nearly tantamount in quality to bring it on of that oh, era. They are, they are the twin stars. Yeah. They are. They are. And Missy Peregrine really stole the show, but she had a perfect foil in uh, Vanessa Lengier, who plays a uh, bitchy, rich uh, gymnast star, Joanne. So yeah. she, if I was going to put somebody else in, it would be her. But I actually like this actor, so I'm going to keep her. And that... Is that's gonna round out my my fantasy casting house? I feel like you can keep the guy who played the crooked CEO because that's who he is. That that that's yeah. exact. That's that actor. Again, yeah, no, with with his like that that tan, the weathered skin, like yeah, keep him. <laughs> yeah. Why not? He and Julian McMahon can they even have like a moment where they just like nod at each other and then keep going? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so that brings us then to the towering infernos of yeah. the catastrophe. What do you think? You know, I, I'm going to give this one a, a 
happy 2.5. Okay. Like it, I don't think it will hold up as well without the reveal a second time. Okay. So that's what kept me from a three. Um, I think that without the twist, I'm like not quite as into it, but it was still charming and it was 70 minutes. So I got no complaints (laughs) and it was, it was better than it again, better than it needed to be. And anytime I can grade on a curve and be like, this movie was better than it needed to be. I'm, I'm really pleased with it. Sure. What about you? It's going to, it is, it's a, it's a happy three for me. I think we're sort of reversing, we're, we're switching what we, our roles were last week where I went 2.5 and I think you went three for bait. And so I'm going to go, I'm going to go with the the three for this one because I think it punched above its weight. And considering how many effect shots they gave us and the money that they were working with, I thought they were solid for the most part. And yeah, a, a cast that as an ensemble really came together for me. So I'm, I'm giving it a happy three. Okay, great. So uh, and so next week, we have a movie that we know for sure is on a streaming service. So <laughs> go us. Real proud of that. And next week, we are watching uh, Pandora, which is on Netflix. It's a South Korean movie. Yes, and, and it involves an earthquake and a nuclear facility. Yeah. So that should be a, a fun double disaster. Yep. And we'll be doing that next week on Netflix. Um, we do have some new reviews to read. Thank you, everybody. Yeah. Um, let me pull those up. Jason, do you want to take this one? We haven't heard your voice in a while. We haven't heard my voice nope. in a while. Um, I can pull it up really quick. I just uh, I had a computer crash thing, so now you guys are being heard through my phone, which is normally where I, I, I where I read the stuff from. Um, oh, okay. But let me. I'll, I'll pull it up on iTunes on my computer if neither of you have them. Uh, I just no. Nope. I, I can read it. Okay. I just sent you a screenshot yep, too. Could just be easier. Uh, okay. I just wanted to get to you know what the people I, love, hey, Jason. I appreciate they do. it. I appreciate He's it. He's a main event. He's a the main disaster event. Disaster divas, the disaster divas desire. <laughs> Look, I'm like I'm like Paprika. If you want to send that screenshot into our Skype chat, then I can read the second review. Okay. Um. I. 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 I no. I can't do that. Okay. <laughs> I just realized I can't do that because um, they're on two different devices and I, I'm not going to take the time to do that. Uh, these disasters are saving from the Lady Autumn. I'm guessing there's more to that title, but I couldn't pull it up. Ah. Uh, this podcast is a delight. The hosts are funny and smart and have a wonderful dynamic with each other. Hey. And the breadth of topics they manage to cover while technically talking about disaster movies is incredible. <laughs> True. That is... <laughs> This is this is only sort of my movie genre to watch, but it turns out it is absolutely my genre to listen. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a nice one. Nice job. Thank you. This pod never fails to make me smile, even on the gloomiest day, and I'm so happy it came into my life. That is a lovely review. That's <laughs> very you. sweet. Right. Yeah, that's that's a that review. Like, if it's a five star review, that's nice. But like existentially, that is a five. That's five stars in our hearts right now. It's really hit all the things that we really pride ourselves on. So uh, second one is from, I, I don't know if I'm saying this right, Sin Dannon or Sign Dannon. Uh, title is so good. <laughs> this is such a good show. I love the movie discussions and the banter. It's light and funny as hell. Oh, Thank hey. You. I'm, here's the part I really love, though. Ready for this, guys? Oh, I'm ready. I'm a truck. I'm a truck driver, often laughing to myself as I ride down the road. Oh, this is I a great show. I love that. I'm so glad we're keeping you company on the road. Yeah. 
I mean, truckers, share. Tell your friends. Yeah, put that on the CV. Put it out on know? the transom. Let them know. I will say. I the... will say it. Oh, go ahead. No, go, Jason, please. I was just going to say one of the first uh, one of the first podcasts that I uh, hosted was with a group of like four people that did include a truck driver. And he was someone who listened <laughs> to more podcasts than anyone I've ever met, because I guess uh, you've got so much time by yourself on the road. So uh, uh-huh. that makes a lot yeah. of sense. It totally does. And and I'm really like, I'm really glad that we can provide something for you that we can be, you know, your company on the roads. Just yes, imagine we're, you know. we're supporting you by being like we're we're imagine we're in a car next to you and one of us is like doing the arm thing that's <laughs> like hey honk <laughs> like give a honk honk type thing that's us spiritually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're sending out a big honk honk to you, sign Dannon. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, thank um, you guys, and feel free to chime in with your own if you've not yet left a review. Yeah. Uh, so Jordan, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jorcru, J-O-R-C-R-U. And you can find me on Patreon uh, at, I think, yeah. Um, what was, oh, what, didn't we come up with horrible disc jockey names for, like, shock jock for names for each of us? Uh, was that yes, it was. my own horrible shock jock name. Um, so I know, because I'm. It You're the crew. Angie and the crew. Angie and the crew. I forgot if that conversation progressed to Amanda also getting a shock jock name. <laughs> the crew. Truly the worst that Drive Time Radio has to offer is the name The Crooch. <laughs> <laughs> we've lost amanda we've we really lost him done you can find I her went, you know, <laughs> find... <laughs> she's so insane again angie fine. and the crew angie and the crew oh that's out to angela watercutter who i will be emphasizing she needs to listen to the last five minutes of this podcast especially um, but while Amanda's collecting herself, I will say I did just write about uh, the old guard on my Patreon, specifically about the adoring looks that the characters in that movie exchange with one another and how it's my favorite part of the whole thing in a movie that I really liked a lot, a lot, a lot of. Yeah. So go check that out. And you know what? You can subscribe to that, too, and you can pay me money. Whoa. Okay. Pay and Amanda, money. where do we find you? You can find me on Twitter. I'm Amanda R. Tubbs. It's Tubbs with two B's. um where i do not have any content of value and uh maybe a thirst trap maybe not there was a single (laughs) thirst trap on twitter i I saw that i saw that in my feed i was like scrolling through twitter and i was like oh there's amanda okay yeah yeah i really what amanda is doing is amanda's amanda is just doing the grassroots effort to bring attention to the pod by becoming a bigger figure on Twitter. And so that's really genius marketing. Yeah. Yeah. If anyone wants to see that, uh, that thirst trap, that genius marketing, I have 70 (laughs) new followers. All of them are guys and almost all of them have husband in their bios. Oh boy. Oh, that is (laughs) predictable. (laughs) That is predictable. So predictable. Big. It is, horrifying i really 
Yeah. So uh, follow me for mostly for baseball content. And <laughs> Which, uh, hey, I mean, baseball starting again soon, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's why I'm like, Supposedly. I just a bunch of baseball content and then uh, angry tweeting about defunding the police. So that's. Yay. That's what you can follow me for. Um, and Jason, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me at Jason Halftones, where on Twitter I'll be ranting about comics, and on Instagram I'll be making comics. Hey, yeah. look at that. 360 uh, sweep. <laughs> and you can find us on Twitter. We're disaster underscore pod. Um, you can email us disastergirlspod at gmail.com. And yeah, like we said, rate and review, please. If you're a trucker and you're at a truck stop and you want to like, you know, take a photo of yourself holding up a sign saying "Disaster Diva." Please. If you want to paint "Disaster Diva" on the on the hood of your car, oh yeah. Please, if anyone you know, paints however, "Disaster Diva" on the hood of their car, I will um, send them a tastefully posed photo of me showing my bare butt. <laughs> Jason, Jason's thirst trap will be ready to go. There it is. So you know that's those are all things that we would love to see. Share us and. Uh, <laughs> Also engage with us on Twitter. There is one more one more shout out I did want to make. We got a really lovely tweet from someone um, the other day, and it was the hopeful Jean Elise Hope, who oh. said, "Would I have guessed that a podcast about disaster movies would be one of my greatest and most consistent joys during a pandemic? No, but here we are. <laughs> no, whoa. But here we, we are, are happy to have. We are happy and to have you." and cleverness and geology and nerdiness and a lot of love for an over often overlooked genre join me in binging disaster pod please do join yeah that was really nice so thank you so much for that yes thank you all disaster divas thank you all we appreciate it so we'll see you all back next week um where we will gather together and thank you again for uh we'll see you next week for pandora yeah we'll catch you on the other side of that nuclear disaster Hopefully just in a movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no one no one knows in 2020. Yeah, exactly. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye, guys. That might be cool.com. You never know.